This is Listen Up, Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents. And now, here's your host, Victoria Ray Henderson. Okay, so welcome everyone, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me on Listen Up, Home Buyers, the video podcast. This is episode three of how NABA members are helping everyone during the pandemic. Um, All of the guests here are members of the National Association of Exclusive Buyer Agents from across the country. Uh, They do not have listings to sell, and we do not represent sellers. We are, as our name says, exclusive buyer agents. And with that, I'd like to introduce uh, Lisa Velanowski. She is an exclusive buyer agent with Buyer's Edge in the Washington, D.C. area, licensed in Virginia, D.C. and Maryland. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Vic. Uh, James Deskin is the owner and broker of the Home Buyers Advocate in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Victoria. David Kent is the broker owner of the Real Buyers Agent in Charleston, South Carolina. Hello. There you go. Nicholas Martin, an exclusive buyer agent with Buyers Choice Realty in Massachusetts. Hi, Nick. Hi. And Benjamin Clark. He is the principal broker of Home Buyer Representation in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hi, Ben. Hey guys. So it's a real pleasure to have everyone. And while I was doing my research um, for this this video podcast, um, I wanted to learn a little bit about each of you. And on Jim's website, I read something that I, I, I really wanted to share and get your opinion and take on. And Jim, with your permission, I'll just go ahead. Um, On his website, it says, sure, you know all the big real estate companies around, but how many of them are established to protect the rights of the buyer and not the seller? How many of them are there for the consumer, you? There are many good real estate companies, but the number one goal of most of them is to sell houses and maybe even sell you one. It is not our job to sell you anything because we work on your side as the consumer. We don't sell houses, we represent buyers who buy them. So since I read off your website, Jim, you want to kick off and tell us a little bit about what made you write that? Well, uh, I wrote that after being in the business for a few years and uh, when I opened up the company about 14 years ago and I just kind of thought through what drove me to this business. Um, And I'd already done it for 10 years as an agent with another brokerage And I just kind of thought, you know, what are the basics of how we do what we do and why we do it? Um, I was drawn to uh, working only with buyers because my background was in uh, working with the public and I kind of had an advocacy background and the idea of helping people and protecting them uh, really appealed to me. So that's really where I got the uh, content for uh, what I wrote there on the website. And I truly believe it that, um, you know, we're not here to sell anything. We're here to help people buy and make sure consumers get a fair shake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Ben, you want to, Ben from Salt Lake City, you want to jump in and tell us, you know, why, why did you open your brokerage that way? Yeah. So when I started, when I got my license over 20 years ago, I was a buyer's agent for a listing agent. And what that really meant was he would go out and get a bunch of listings and he had back then he had signs he'd put in the yard people would dial an 800 number for information because of course the flyer didn't have the price on them and all of that and it was a, a lead capturing system for him and then i would take the buyers and my job because i worked for the agent who worked for the seller was to try and any buyer who called in try and move that property but um i kind of didn't feel like i would want to be treated that way as a buyer so i talked to the agent and said hey can i just 
if a lead comes in and it's clearly not a good fit for them, can I help them buy, you know, whatever. And so I would walk them through the process and help them buy whatever home they wanted to, not just, you know, the listing agents homes. And um, it kind of became, I noticed in the industry that buyers were less represented in general than sellers. You know, every home that's on the market with a listing brokerage has professional representation, but a lot of buyers were getting double dealed, you know, by the agents and um, not receiving a full level of representation. And so I saw that going on in about a year and a half in the business. I was on a trip to Palm Springs, California, and I ran across a buyer broker only flyer in a grocery store. And I read about it and I said, hey, that sounds like something I you know, believe in is representing the buyer and helping them get the best price instead of you know, the highest price for the home, the best deal for the buyer. And it became something that I got really kind of passionate about. And I said, you know, when I go back to town, I've been working mostly with buyers anyway. I started taking a few listings because that's what they train you to do. But I really wanted to represent those buyers and give them fair representation in their transactions. And so I came back to town looking for a buyer only brokerage and there wasn't one in town. So I went to broker school and a couple years later I started my own company. And uh, it wasn't even until like four or five, maybe six years later that I ran across the National Association of Exclusive Buyer Agents. <laughs> I thought I was the only, so first I thought everybody, there's gotta be companies like this all over the place when I first saw that one company. And so I thought I'll just join one when I get back to Salt Lake, found out there were none in the state that I could find. And um, then the next thing was now that I was one, I thought I was one of the only ones. <laughs> I thought it was maybe me and this guy. And then I came across NAVA and of course realized that there are hundreds of exclusive buyer agents all around the country who believe the same things we do yeah, and yeah. trying to work for the buyers. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like it's a calling, right? I mean, David, uh, Kent, you're in um, South Carolina. Well, tell us about how you got this started. So my degree, is in construction management and moved to Charleston um, and started work for a developer and builder and eventually went out on my own building houses and uh, had a real estate company set up just to sell my houses and people were coming to me friends and family and asking me to help them buy a home and at the time no one was representing buyers it was all sub agency and I just thought that was weird I mean if you're gonna buy a home, you need some representation. So decided to open up the, the first uh, exclusive buyer's agency in, in Charleston. And it was the buyer's agent franchise, Tom Hathaway. And, um, you know, just have enjoyed doing it. I, I stayed building for another like 10 years. And eventually now I'm just doing it full time since 2003, just representing buyers. And I've got four agents that are still with me that have been with me you know, 15, 17 and 19 years. Wow. Um, I don't recruit agents. I, I found that, um, you know, if they want to buy into it, they're going to call me. And if not, I just, um, I just, you know, like the shop that I have and I like the agents that I have, I can trust and I know they'll do a really good job. So it really was just something that I feel that the buyer needs, they need representation when they're buying a home, especially yeah. in the seller's market. Oh yeah, and you mentioned something that I'd like you to explain. You said it was only sub-agency. Can you tell everybody what that is? Yeah, when I started, it was, uh, so you had a, a listing agent who represented the seller and anybody who brought a buyer, they were a sub-agent of the, of the listing agent as well. So they didn't represent the buyer at all. They may have brought the buyer to the table, but uh, that was the confusing part for buyers, I believe. They thought that agent was taking care of them, but at the time it was all 
all sub-agency, no, no buyer agency. Representation is the main thing that confuses consumers. I mean, there's no doubt. So Nick, um, we want to hear from you in Massachusetts. I know you're a, a new uh, board member, um, but what else are you doing there, you know, as an exclusive buyer agent? What brought you in? Well, I would say Ron Huth brought me in. Um, I blame him. <laughs> but um, ultimately, I was looking for a flexible schedule as a father of two kids and my wife going to work and whatnot like that. I really sought Ron out to become a home inspector. And then he said, well, why don't you come work for me? And I didn't know a whole lot about real estate at that time, um, but I did have a pretty bad past experience. And learning about exclusive agency through him, I realized how important that is, especially with the experience I had, which ultimately was losing my down payment because the bank didn't approve our loan before the contingency deadline, which was the deadline that you have to have a full approval by. And they would, but didn't have it in hand and ultimately denied my loan two days before closing. Oh my God. And yeah, long story short, lost our escrow, you know, lost our escrow money, lost everything. Much my life savings at the time, but as an agent who represents buyers, I definitely watch out for those things. And if for some reason we don't have everything in place, I do feel like it's my job to make sure that what happened to me doesn't happen. And I see a lot of other agents out there taking buyers that seriously. Mm. I think it's a lot of, oh, let's get this house sold. And if something goes wrong with the buyer, then, oh, well, I'll sell it to the next person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that and all the stuff that I've learned with, exclusive agency I don't know why I I I couldn't justify working any other way I couldn't justify doing both and being able to properly represent people I wouldn't be able to do what I feel an agent is supposed to do yeah that's a good point and Lisa Belanowski I want to hear um, your story I know your story but um, I'd like you to share it with everybody here and of course you know all the consumers that are going to be listening too well, absolutely. Actually, I, it never entered my mind to become a real estate agent at all. It just wasn't even on my radar, but there was a confluence of events that led me to where I am today. Uh, when my husband and I were leaving Chicago to move to D.C., we had a business where we developed what they called serious games for education for K through 12 students. And I loved doing that because to me, it helped develop their critical thinking skills. And that was something that I loved doing. And I had just finished a big program for grades six through eight that where the kids got a loan, built a house, floor plan, landscaping, selected all the materials. Then they had to price the house, market the house, review potential buyers, and try to sell the house. And they also had to take into consideration environmental concerns, community concerns, and all of these things. And they were graded not only on their profit, but they were graded on how well they took into consideration community concerns. And that's what led them to the next level. So I had to learn a lot, a lot, a lot about houses. And I've always been really nosy. I'm one of those people who walks down the street at night and likes to like, you know, look in windows and see what people have done to their houses. So I was fascinated. So when we moved to DC, we were looking for a house and a friend of mine recommended Steve at Buyers Edge. So Steve was lovely. He took me out and I just kept commenting on stuff. I'm like, wow, there's no vapor barrier under here. You can tell the floor is cupping. And he goes, well, have you ever thought about being a real estate agent? I didn't know. 
No, no, I never thought about it. But then I recalled, well, it was hard to forget, when we moved from Chicago, we also had a horrible experience, a lot like Nick's, but we were on the seller side. And we had the supposedly number two agent in Chicago representing us and the buyers had like the number one agent. The deal fell apart at closing on the loan. And I felt horrible for us, but I felt horrible for the buyers. So once I spent some time with Steve and started thinking, well, you know, this would be advocating for buyers, you know, advocating for one side and education is a really important component of this. And education is something that I really love. So I thought here's a way that I could advocate for buyers so that nothing happened for the buyer or the seller as what happened in our deal. Um, but I could also help with the development of the critical thinking, and the decision-making skills. I mean, to me, I want my buyers making an informed decision when we write an offer. I want them to feel that they're making an informed decision. So, you know, part of my job is to be a guide, but a large part of my job is to help educate my buyers. So I thought, well, you know, this, this actually sounds like a, a place where I could do good and uh, feel good and really put my education skills uh, to work. And I love it. I love helping my buyers. It's just, there's no other feeling like that. And I did go for a couple of years, as you know, Vic, I left Buyer's Edge and I went to a very large agency. And, you know, in Virginia, they allow dual agency. And I, even though I'm licensed in Maryland, Virginia, and DC, I just had a problem with that. It never, ever felt right. Never, not even from day one. So luckily, everybody at Buyer's Edge was, you know, willing to welcome me back. And I've been back for about, what, about eight months now. And it's the best move I've ever made. Yeah, yeah. So just real briefly, you mentioned dual agency. Tell everybody who's listening, what is dual agency? Well, in Virginia, dual agency is the fact that an agent can represent both sides of a transaction. And so in effect, they're not really representing anybody effectively. They, they really can't. You can't give advice. You know, you can't do anything that's going to be a conflict of interest. So essentially, you're sort of a transaction manager mm -hmm. is about all you are in Virginia and you can, you know, so you can do both sides of that. And really nobody's going to be getting adequate representation. And it just never felt right to me that you could do that. There's clearly a conflict of interest. I don't care what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the, the one person who makes out like a bandit on that is yeah. the, is the real estate agent who mm -hmm. is, who is the agent, the dual agent. Yes. Um, I will, I will just add that the reason I got into this is I had a whole nother career before this. And, um, and I too, kind of like all of you, um, I wanted to make a living, but I wanted to make a really honest living. And when I found out about this kind of representation, I thought, boy, I can wrap my head and my heart around that. Um, and I had recently had an agent, you know, who had never heard of this kind of exclusive buyer agency. And she said, well, why on earth would you do that? And it occurred to me that if it doesn't, if, if it isn't something that is like in, in you, a choice that you really want to look out for people's best interests, um, it isn't going to be on your radar. But the way I basically responded was it never occurred to me to do both sides. It, it, I wouldn't be in real estate. I would not be an agent if I had to say, oh, yeah, I can represent you, Mr. Seller. Oh, hey, over there, Mr. Buyer, I can represent you and, you know, pick up whatever in-house bonuses are available. All of that just turn me off, you know? Um, so I'm just going to toss a couple things out, guys, and, you know, feel free to jump in. We, um, I want to know what market conditions are like um, and where you are. So if you don't mind, just jump in and tell us what's going on. 
Well, in, in Virginia, Maryland, and DC, I mean, the market is still really, really crazy, especially for single family homes. Uh, I, all of my buyers in the last four months have had to go over list and dump some contingencies to, to get a ratified contract. I've seen anywhere from 2% to 15% over list with people just throwing everything out, out the window. Yeah. Uh, it was even that way with the condos and the townhouses. Condos have slowed down a little bit in our market. Single family homes, it's still crazy. And of course, the inventory has dropped precipitously now that we've had Thanksgiving. Um, but it, but it, has, it has been crazy and you had to pull out all the stops. And it's really, really been so important to educate my buyers because they have to understand the ramifications of everything and they have to feel comfortable. And I've you know, found with many buyers that the more offers you make, the, the greater their confidence in what they're offering and their greater their confidence in making a decision about whether or not they're going to ask for certain contingencies mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it is definitely uh, a fast market and a, a market where you really need to educate your buyers and communicate very, very closely with buyers. And Jim Deskin, we want to hear from you. What, what's been happening in uh, Columbus? Yeah, so again, I am in Columbus, uh, greater Columbus area. Um, our MLS, I believe we have seven counties. Uh, the majority of listings, though, are probably in uh, about three counties. Columbus sits in the middle of, of that, um, and I usually work in two or three counties. Um, the market is, is crazy if you're a seller. Um, very similar to what Lisa described there. Um, we are low on inventory. We have been for several years. Uh, our running average inventory is, I think, around maybe 3,700 uh, units. And seven years ago, we had about 13,500. Um, we're at 1.2 months um, of inventory, and we should, of course, as you all know, be at six months. So uh, it's very difficult. Um, this year has been extremely difficult for really everybody in my market. Uh, one, because of the inventory, and of course, because of COVID and how that's affected it. So we uh, typically have multiple offers, even up into the higher price points. Um, there, there have been houses I have heard that had 30 offers on them, which is unheard of here. Um, I believe I had one last year that had maybe 32 offers. Um, the average being probably five to seven offers on any house that goes on the market. Um, really up and even into the higher price points. Um, as Lisa said, we're moving contingencies to be competitive. Um, and it's not uncommon for a house to go 10% over asking price. So mm -hmm. it's, it's rather difficult, especially for somebody who works only with buyers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've scratched my head the last few years because of this. The, the odd and ironic thing is, though, in this extremely difficult market for everybody, uh, even with COVID, I've had the best year I've ever had. So I, I don't understand how that happened, especially considering where all of us were at back in the spring. Yeah. But uh, there's something about the market and the anxiety that, that has propelled uh, buyers into getting into the market and staying in it. Mm -hmm. Ben Clark, um, did you want to add something? 
Yeah, I wanted to talk about what Lisa said. You know, she talked about educating the buyers about the competition. And some of that is some, some buyers just need to go through that process a time or two. And so when I meet with clients for the first time, right now our market is very seller leaning as well. And it's taking my clients on average five to six offers before we get a contract. And I think that really puts my clients at ease knowing that the competition is gonna be kind of fierce and we're gonna write offers and we're not gonna get them. And we don't have to, in our market, yes, you could throw 10% on and probably get it, but you don't have to if you're willing to work on the other aspects of it and, and be smart about how you're finding the homes, you know, catching homes on the rebound after they don't appraise or they have inspection issues, uh, you know, being creative with your, being creative with contingencies. So rather than remove contingencies altogether, sometimes like we just have uh, three clients that went under contract in the last couple of weeks and we said, we won't ask the seller to uh, do any repairs unless they're over a thousand dollars. So still protecting the buyer. So they're not just saying, Hey, we'll, we'll lose it all. If we don't, if we find something and we're telling the seller up front, we're not going to ask for any money for that, but making the seller feel at ease because a lot of buyers are putting things under contract, waiving contingencies and then canceling out and leaving the seller high and dry, you know, yeah. weeks into the transaction. Yeah. So it makes our offer appear even stronger, even though we're still protecting our client. Um, another thing we are, you hear a lot from the traditional agents that we're low on inventory. If you look at our active listings, we're about 3000. And, uh, but if you look at the actives plus the under contract listings, and that includes homes that are active with a backup status. So they're not the fully active, but they're, they're under contract looking for potential backups. We've got about 9,000 of those. So in reality, we have about 12,000 listings but on any given day, there's only 3,000 of those available. Mm -hmm. And then if you add on the number of homes that have sold in the last 30 days, there's a lot of inventory. It's just going really quick. And so it's not like there's a housing shortage. There are no homes. It's that on any given day, there are very few available. So if the client has the ability to, to understand that this is going to be a process of a, of a couple months rather than, hey, we go out one, two, three times and we're under contract, that allows us to more effectively find and negotiate a deal amongst the mix. You yeah. know, sometimes, uh, like I said, we have homes that for whatever reason have been under contract two, three times, they fail. That seller is starting to get, starting to question things, especially if it's been back on the market, it's the third time and they haven't had any showings anymore because they're 90 plus days on the market. Doesn't mean the home's a bad home, especially if they were significantly overpriced at the beginning. Uh, those buyers are taking off sometimes because they feel buyers remorse for overpaying for a house they shouldn't have. Yeah. And so we're picking up those, those homes on the rebound. Uh, we are still trying to play the upfront game where you get in on the first day of listing and try and negotiate something before they have a ton of offers. But yeah, um, you, you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of strategies that I know um, a lot of us in uh, the buyer's edge brokerage are using, you know, whether it's, um, you know, getting, getting creative in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's giving up a contingency. And sometimes, as I tell a lot of my clients, let's not chase, you know, the pretty shiny object.